Hello everybody, welcome back to a special edition of Odyssey Geek. This is episode number two of Beyond AIO. This is the part of the show where I talk about other shows related to Adventures in Odyssey. And I'll be discussing Paws and Tales some more. And again, joining me today is Lee Asum and also now known as Michael Favor, which is his real name. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah. Uh, for anyone missing the drama, there's been this whole thing about like um, wrapping up one of my podcasts that had my pseudonym Lee Asim. And I thought, you know, let's just switch to Michael Favor. I don't know if I was Michael for the last recording. I think I was still Lee, right? I think so. All right. All that to say, hi. It's good to be back. Yeah. So the last time we talked together about Paws and Tales, Michael, that's so hard to say. Yes. I'll just keep, okay. I'll have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to train my brain this way. This is going to be this is gonna be, you know, uh, on the job training right here, people. Um, Do it. <laughs> um, Lee, uh, that's doing so good there. Michael was listening to. You know to... what? Lee is easy. Let's keep going with Lee. Let's just do it. Let's just okay. do that. Okay. I'll have to train myself later, I guess. Anyway, Lee first. <laughs> Lee had first heard his first episode of Paul's and Tales, and I got his reaction to it, and reviewed the episode. And now we're moving on to the next two episodes of the series. Right now, we're going to be reviewing episode number two, Grace to Hugh. Not you. It's Hugh. I'm sure we'll be talking about that later. I mean, was there ever any confusion about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good pun. It's a good pun. So. This episode was written by David Carl, and also directed by David Carl. Again, music by John Campbell, sound design by Eric Basil, and the song later on, What Would You Do If You Were Hugh, was written by Sandy Howell. So, first off, we start off with the very first previously on Paws and Tales at the beginning of the episode, which I'm sure, Lee, that you've heard you know, versions of that on the Odyssey and other stuff. Oh, yeah. What did you think of this? Uh, what did you think of the clips they used? Did you think it was enough, too little? Or do you think they could have just went right into the story? Uh, no, I think it was fine. Um, they described a little bit of where they were previously uh, on the rock. Or was that what they were? They were on. Uh, they were about to build. Yeah, on Fortress Rock. Right. So does that tie into any future episodes that are coming up soon? In terms of the previously, um, no, the, the previously, the previous thing is only used very rarely. Um, on like, there's not a whole lot of multi-parters until like season two, and then I think there's me an episode or actually no, yeah, I think there's an episode. A few episodes are like standalone episodes, but have to do with a little bit of stories from a few episodes back, just not like right next to it. Um, but it's it's a rare occurrence on the show, I should say. Until like later on, season three is a lot has a lot of multi-parters. Well, I would probably judge the previously then about the same as I judged the last scene or the last little bit of the final episode or the the previous episode in terms of we're giving you a teaser of the next episode and this was hey we gave you a teaser of this episode last time and now we're actually doing that. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. And also, it's a little bit different than last time. Right after we hear the intro for the show, we have part of the song, which actually I think in the last episode. Some of those lyrics they had in the song were actually part of the end song, but these lyrics yes. were not in the final song. So what did you think about that? I love hearing Goose sing. Uh, she's a really cute voice, especially uh, for the song. And the fact that she and CJ and Stacy, to a certain extent, sing both these little bits and the final song, I thought was I thought was, I thought was good. Um, in terms of the, the humor about the fire, I think that... <laughs> The songwriter, Sandy Howell, was trying to strike a balance between being funny about the fire and, and puns about it and 
actually saying, hey, there's a, a dangerous situation going on here. And figuring out that was a little bit interesting. I thought, eh, you could be more irreverent than you are, but it's it's fine. I liked um, I liked it. I think, like, the high notes in the first time, I think it's Stacy, like, fire, and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> was a little bit of an, of an annoyance, but... I don't know, I liked it. it. I didn't, I forgot about it after a while. It, it didn't, you know, <laughs> stick with me for the whole thing. And we are introduced, well, let me back up here a little bit. Um, there's a fire at the Collins Mansion um, in Wildwood, and we are introduced to a minor character. I think we only hear him in this episode. He's mentioned in other episodes, but Stag Williams, who's oh, okay. the um, firefighter chief. Who is? Yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he's a cool, he's a elk. cool elk, rather. Yep. <laughs> it's not often in the name they have like the, the you know actual animal that they are, but they have in this one stag. Yeah, I thought Papa Chuck was a woodchuck for the first <laughs> couple seconds until I realized, oh, he's a bear. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I can't remember if I thought that or not because I didn't. You know, Chuck is short for Charles or uh, Swindoll. Yep. I think we talked about that in the la- <laughs> last one, but. I think in the series, he's, I don't think he's ever referenced as Charles. He's called Chuck on on occasion, but I don't think it's necessarily, in this, in this series, it's not short for anything that I know of. And we are also introduced to a character that we will hear a good bit in the future. Um, Mrs. Daisy Collins, who is a bear as well. I told you there's a lot of bears in this town. Um, she is a rich widow. Her husband I think it's uh, James T. Collins had died, and this house, this mansion, is huge and has lots of rooms and um, stuff in there. I can't remember what all they talk about in it, but there are several episodes that take place in this uh, house, and okay. part of the writing storyline through the series also focuses on that. I'm not going to say any more, but I'll just give you a little tease there. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Actually, the first listen-through of this episode, I thought that most of the house had burned down, and then the second listen-through, I realized, oh yeah, it, it was just a, the West Wing, I think, is what's mentioned about it. Um, so this must be a, a huge house to have uh, a, a fire in the house and not have all the house affected by it. Yeah, it's 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 quite large. I think they mentioned that there's been a lot of additions and rooms added to it, so it kind of, kind of like, you know, like the Ten Boom house, like the way it's, you know, they built onto stuff and you know it's you can hide stuff and you can go in through a lot of stuff and you know not know it's there and mm-hmm. right it's kind of it's actually i don't i we are kind of drawing comparisons to odyssey here but in the world of it. wildwood i think the collins mansion is quite a bit like wits Inn, where there's you know all these different rooms and things that you don't know about and it keeps you keep finding more okay that's interesting and also interesting, there are several little-known facts in this episode. Uh, I think Goose talks about, oh, it's a little-known fact that weasels are very strong. <laughs> and then uh, I think she says something else, or someone says that she's very strong. And then I think uh, Public Chuck says, yeah, it's a little-known fact that weasels are very brave. And she, I did not know that. I was scared stiff when she was helping with the fire. <laughs> I love that interaction with Goose. Like when she mentioned that, it was really again. I love Goose. I think she's really cute in this. In these two episodes, she's really good. And in this first one, uh, hearing her say that, and then Papa Chuck wanting to compliment her with something she already said and mentioning that, I thought, oh, that's really that's really nice. And then bringing it up later when she mentions it again, it's more like, uh oh, when it goes wrong. Um, after she mentions that weasels are very strong and then boom, the fire springs up. It's like, oh, okay. So, so it's not like that whenever you're strong, you save the day. I mean, 
I mean, you can still make mistakes, basically. Mm -hmm. And also, like, with the humor, too, it's only, you know, like, the rule of threes here, because I mentioned the strong two times in a little bit different way, and then later on the brave part. I think that was a great, great uh, humor uh, structure there. Right, right, I liked it. And then we also have uh, Stacy kind of looking around and trying to get CJ um, looking around for clues and stuff, which... I didn't think about much of it when I was listening to it, but when I'm talking about it, again, they kind of remind me of Matthew and Emily, with Emily kind of, you know, like, let's do this, let's figure this out, and Matthew kind of tagging along or like, <laughs> going out reluctantly, and it's it's CJ, almost said Matthew, it's CJ that finds the clues. Right. Was it Stacy that was egging CJ on to help her? Yes. Okay. He's like, oh no, here we go again, or something like that. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, that was, it was a little, it was really fast how it happened. It was one scene, they're going to look for clues. Next scene, they find the clue, and it's pretty much over by that point. Um, but it's a small thread that I... Is that continued, their their camaraderie there? I'm guessing it is. The mystery aspect, there's an episode, a few episodes after... Well, a handful of episodes after this one where um, kind of the mystery thing kind of comes up again. And then there's actually... I can't wait till we get to this one, if we get to it. Um, there's a mystery episode of Paws and Tales. It's very different than all the Paws and Tales episodes in a couple different ways and it's actually a really it's a really good whodunit okay okay also with cj looking for clues he gets in trouble and uh i guess he got too close to the building or got inside the building and the building started to come down on him and yeah um papa chuck saves him there and i think mrs collins mentions that he's really strong and fast and also she mentions the mighty things he's done in the early days yeah i jotted that down too i thought that might be interesting to investigate what his history is mm-hmm mm-hmm yep we'll hear we'll hear more and after the break uh when cj said that he thinks he knows who did it or he knows how the fire started um we have you know after the commercial break we have a little more of the song and we are introduced to um a major minor character on the show um hugh mcclaw who's a cougar and he's got a great actor i'm just gonna say his actor did a great job with him hmm i like it i actually I I don't know. Well, the thing is for me, when I, I talked about this in the last time we talked about Paul's and Tales, I listened to the first episode on the radio when it first came out, like its first airing, but I had missed this episode on the radio. Okay. So later on, I did not know who Hugh was, and also, I think the actor that plays Hugh in this, I think he's in four or five, I think about three or four episodes after this one, he does appear... And I think it's a different actor, or he does the voice differently. Okay. And because this wasn't my first introduction to Hugh, because I was used to his voice later, which is pretty consistent throughout the rest of the series, um, is, I don't know, the person that did uh, this character in this episode, I just didn't like that much. And I didn't think that it would, I mean, his his vocalizations, like, you know, trying to sound like a cougar, like a rawr, and that kind of stuff, I think that worked, but I don't think his acting was the greatest, but I know that can be difficult when you're trying to be, like, a you know, a character voice and the emotion and stuff, but, you know, that's differing opinions, but you, this is your first time hear, hearing yeah, yeah. him, and, you know, like, you heard, like, the part Rathbone uh, without Walker Edmondson before you heard him with him, right? <laughs> uh, Kinda. I think it was about, that was one of the albums that I listened to more than the episodes with Walker Edmiston. So I- I'm used to Walker Edmiston as Bart. Uh, don't let me 
deceive you in that way in case that's what okay. i've accidentally done okay i mean i just remembered wrong but but the thing is i am okay with robert easton because yes i do know his episode pretty well as bart and i had heard it early on and with this one as well i i like his uh or hugh's act whatever his actors acting as hugh uh because he sounds a bit like a rusty type uh, like Rusty on Odyssey, mm, and the way he's phrasing his uh, turns of phrase and stuff makes me think, okay, he's a tough kid, he doesn't want to open up, and even by the end, he's not really open, but he's he's starting to uh, see that people actually want to forgive him and want to treat him decently, even though he's uh, shrugged them off. And I like how the actor put that in his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the last scene with him is probably his best in, best in this. They also talk about Hugh's track record, the things he's done, and... Um, I don't think it's a spoiler at all. He's he's the bully, the main bully of the series. Um, to the kids in this, he's not. I don't know if he's he's sounds like more like a troublemaker than a bully. Um, I think when he's talking to CJ later, we're kind of threatening him a little bit. Um, you kind of get that, but he is the main bully. He's the he's the Rodney of uh, Paws and Tails, right? I guess you could say. So I thought it was interesting uh, if I can bring that up here when they were talking about his reputation, the things he'd done in the past, and then even later on when. Spoiler alert, Mrs. Collins uh, says your debt has been paid uh, in terms of the check. And right before then, you're thinking she's le- she's building it up to make it think like, oh, he was going to have to pay this huge amount of money and he is not really feeling it. It doesn't seem like even though they're giving him grace. Yeah, it seems like they're bringing up his his wrong actions maybe a few too many times. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. And maybe it's a problem that they're bringing it up. I don't know. Well, I think the reason they're doing that doing that is because we've never heard Hugh before. This is his first episode. The listener doesn't know who this person is, so they probably emphasize that a little bit. Like, hey, he has a track record. He's this kind of person. Right. And Papa Chuck does say, let's not jump to conclusions about it. And then I guess what I ha- just have a gripe with is the uh, right before Mrs. Collins presents the check in that oh, it Hugh is probably feeling really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, um, going to the music a little bit, I know, uh, I talked earlier about John Kimball doing the music for this episode, and I can tell that it's John Campbell in a lot of episodes, but I don't usually hear cues that sound super similar to Odyssey. I think you caught some on the last one, but I think this oh, yeah, scene, <laughs> I think the scene after, uh, Stag Williams sees Hugh and calls him over the music cue there sounds a lot like from Arizona Sunrise. It sounds like kind of Western kind of tone that John Campbell used in that episode. It sounds a lot like that music cue. That's a very underrated episode. I'm going to need to go back and hear that scene you're talking about or, or the music just to see if I can hear that too. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It sounds a little bit out of place because the instruments used in that. Um, or maybe just, I don't know, I was going into it and I was subconsciously think comparing it to Odyssey. I don't usually do that, but for these reviews, you know, kind of in the back of my mind maybe and hugh um partway through he wants to help um and as much help yeah, he, runs he gets into knocked a, out by the shovel yeah cd uh, well he doesn't, he doesn't whack him Hugh does and again <laughs> goose starts up the fire again both of them are wanting to help um neither one did, did really much yeah so the thing with goose is that i i couldn't really tell entirely what was going on first again first listen through second listen through i realized okay i thought this was just going to be a humorous moment of we're going to have a little vignette of hey there's a new fire goose is trying to put it out and then papa chuck's going to have a bucket of water he pours on it but no it turns out it's a lot more serious than it actually was so i still don't think that goose is entirely or goose is entirely at fault for 
uh, starting the second fire. Because, again, Papa Chuck was standing right there. So it seems more like he allowed her to try. She didn't succeed. And therefore he thought, okay, we need to do more to get this under control now. Like, nobody knew what was going to happen with the fire at that moment. Well, I think they were aware of there might be flare-ups. And she was the one that started that. Like, she got it started back up. So, I mean, it probably would have happened at some point or another, but she kind of continued it. And if you think about it, it's probably better that it happened then rather than, like, later when everybody had left or something. Yeah. And uh, I, get, I don't know if they're trying to console her in this particular way, but I would tell her you didn't, you had no idea what was going to happen. Like, you didn't know that what you were trying to do to stop the fire would actually continue it. You legitimately thought it was going to stop. So it's not like she was messing around and it started up. No, she was trying to stop it and it, it flared up again. Well, also too, I think they said that she was holding an ax and I think the kids, I think because when uh, Daisy and Daisy and right, I'm thinking Armis Brooks, <laughs> old time radio show, different show, <laughs> uh, Daisy Collins, uh, Mrs. Collins, um, she's talking about how the kids are helping, you know, staying back and, you know, trying to help and move stuff around. This sounds like they were gotten closer to it. So I'm not even sure. Sur- I'm not even sure if she's even supposed to have an axe. Like, why would you give the kid an axe? Yeah, I, I don't know. Or let a kid have an axe. It's shiny. She's a weasel. She probably picked it up and like, ooh, this is shiny. I think the pacing is just a bit too fast for me to pick up. Oh, wait, something bad just happened. I would have rather have had a bit more buildup or foreshadowing to what happened, especially considering Goose's uh, inner... I guess, psychological stuff that she goes through in this episode and the next episode also. Well, next episode was fine, but this one, uh, in terms of her mentality, it would be nice to have a little bit of build-up mm-hmm. for that. And speaking of her, we have her full name given this episode for the first time, Pinky Gongoozler. Aw. <laughs> did you, did you, did you reckon, did you think that Goose was a nickname, or do you think, actually think that was her first name? Nah, I guess I should have thought that it was just a nickname, but... Um, maybe I thought it was a real name. I don't know. It makes sense it's a nickname. Well, the word is similar enough to, like, the word goose. So when I first heard this, I wasn't quite certain if she was calling, they're calling her goose or goose, like, if she was actually a goose, but I know they talk about her being a weasel on occasion. You know, as a kid, it's, it can be a little, a little bit confusing. It's not a word that you hear very often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at the picnic or a little lunch or whatever that, uh, Mrs. Collins puts on for the people that help with the fire, um... Goose is recognized, and um, yeah, he was questioning why she should get uh, recognition. And Papa Chuck tells him that she got grace, getting something good that you do not deserve. It's a little bit of a snapshot there of uh, what they were talking about, which uh, again uh, ties back into what I thought about either the pacing or, or something in terms of that when. Hugh yells out, oh, why is she getting this recognition? She started the second fire. It makes me think, okay, in the storytelling atmosphere here, Hugh is representative of everyone's thoughts. Would they be thinking bad things about Goose? They would all agree she started the second fire. Hugh's just the one who's saying it out loud. Then Papa Chuck says, well, yes, but one, that was a mistake. And two, everyone forgave her. She's been given grace. So my... My thing, again, is they're treating it like it was, um, it was, I don't know. I feel like we're treating Goose's, they, they're treating Goose's and Hugh's actions equally. Whereas it legitimately feels like uh, Goose had no idea what she was doing. Um, and I don't know if that was resolved from earlier, but Hugh knew he was not supposed to be playing with the fireworks. Goose thought she was supposed to do what she did. So that's where I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I think maybe 
like I think you talked about like the pacing of it. If they spent more time on it, um, to explain that stuff, like was she even supposed to have an axe? Was she supposed to be doing that? Was she was she supposed to be going to the yeah. fire? Like I think uh, CJ or Stacy's like goose, don't do that or get away from there or something like that. And she did it anyway. Yeah. But again, if they don't have much time, if they don't spend much time on that, it can be I don't know lost in the speed of right. it. Right. Which I do have to say, this episode is I think. The shortest Pause and Tales episode ever. It's about 22 minutes, 23 seconds. Oh, interesting. Or most of them average about 24, 25 minutes and up. Yeah. This one is my favorite of the three that we've covered so far. Okay. And then we have, we talked about this a little bit, but coming to the point where um, uh, they're talking about how much the damage to the fire, or how much damage the fire caused. Yeah. And talking about how, you know, uh, Hugh's dad is going to be paying it for a long time <laughs> or whatever. And... I'll leave it at that. I don't want to talk about Hugh's dad quite yet okay. because there's some of that later on. Okay. But, you know, this here, I think, probably the best moment, I think, and the, the best scene in the episode, I think. Mrs. Collins is very kind and nice to everybody. Yep. And then even to somebody as big a trouble, troublemaker as Hugh and, you know, kind of showing, like, you know, the debt that we had um, towards God we could never pay. Right. And he... When we accept salvation, he wipes it clean, mm-hmm. and it's they don't talk. They I don't think they talk about salvation in this episode with it. It's not really tied to. I don't think, mm-hmm. but it's there if you want to discuss it. Like how these episodes are made to, you know, discuss these kind of themes for parents to talk, talk with their kids later. But it's not. It's not as I don't think. I think this episode is a little bit less heavy handed as the first one we talked about. I think I talked about how I think that they like with the narration or like the narrator or storyteller, and then like. Papa Chuck a little bit. It was me a little bit too much, like too much on the nose, maybe. And I think this one, they, it's a good. I think it's a better balance of the lesson. Yeah, there's a lot of action in this episode, and the themes tie in really well. Again, give Goose a little bit more pacing, and all the themes tie in really well by the end. And that final scene with the action and the drama going on between the characters, and then the resolve of the change of heart of, I guess, partial change of heart of Hugh and what. Uh, daisy collins presents to hugh um it's nice and it bundles it up really well that's probably what i really like about this episode and we come down to the song for the episode which is pretty good i i think like you know what would you do if you you were hugh (laughs) and my favorite line is probably uh so that's what hugh and i should do about giving grace to others Uh. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, fun wordplay. I think also, I think Goose has a, like somebody had like a debt, and someone says, "I'll pay that, honey." <laughs> yeah, it's probably Goose. I think that's funny. Although I thought that's not exactly the way the plot went. Nobody shouted out, "I'll pay that, honey." But sure, I I understand what you're going for there. Yeah. However, there was one kind of weird line in this. Each Did of us catch? is just a human being. I know these are animals talking. <laughs> Part which makes me think, yeah, what are we going for here? What do you want me to imagine in my head? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think this is probably the only, uh, I know they talk later, like, you know, people or persons or creatures, they don't usually talk about human being. I don't think they really talk about humans or human beings. I think this was, again, this was early on in the show. So I think they were, you know, trying to, you know, get everything to gel right. But... I, I, it just comes off really odd because, you know, again, these are all animals uh, and they're <laughs> yeah, saying exactly. this. And I'll bring this up here. When I was listening to the episode, 
I thought, wait a minute. Uh, it was the the album art for this episode. I thought, wait, hold on. That's oh, there's illustrations for the characters, or there there's CGI for the characters. So I I went and looked it up a little bit. And there are also animations. I I guess I don't know if you're too familiar with that. And the um, uh, I guess two CGI animations and then a couple cartoons for Paws and Tails. Yeah, they did a CGI one first, and they did like more traditional animation later on. Right. So what I find so interesting, and what I realized about audio drama, is that audio drama is a medium that is never dated. You can listen to old Odyssey episodes, and maybe even some old-time radio, and it's the audio quality that dates the episode, and maybe the music style, too, if you're a junkie like me on the music. But with something like this, I am not held back by, oh, this animation is so old. Um, I am thinking, in I'm giving it the animation in my head. I'm thinking about what the characters are doing. Whereas if I was watching it, then I would be given animation that might be outdated, that might be a little bit older than what I'm expecting, and might not be as good. But I love audio drama in that it doesn't have that drawback. When I listen to these episodes, I don't normally... picture like i think we talked about this in the last episode too where i don't necessarily picture them as animals all the time on occasion i kind of do but i don't always i'm more i more picture like the action what's going on sometimes if i'm like really trying to pay close attention attention to it for it's like you know just kind of play in the background or whatever but you know again they had this issue like with you know with odyssey when they when they had the albums with that and then like the um animated series and stuff like that like really is that what like that's not what i pictured would send all that to be jillian um <laughs> i'm not quite sure where that can oh not what i expected okay no um album 68 cover oh okay okay wait that's out of the blue that is out of the blue that's not how i pictured her looking at all oh okay all. okay okay <laughs> okay yeah you pictured her an evil character no, 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 no. I pictured her a Gips, <laughs> not uh, a gorgeous blonde. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think um, that's about it for this episode. So overall, what would you rate this episode? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Definitely thumbs up. I really liked it. Uh, more, I think more than last time, partly because last was seemed to be more of a pilot, and this was... The uh, album is now, or the episodes now kind of know what they're doing. They have a storyline. They have good development, good action. Uh, the song was good. Uh, I just want to mention one last thing. I love the last note of the song where Goose is just holding it out. And that, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> or exhaling, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. I I really like this. Uh, yeah, I really like this episode. Well, for me, since I have heard all the episodes, this ranks at my low the lower end of episodes i think it's probably one of my favorite my least favorite episodes really now saying that this one is bad but there are so so many good episodes that are so much better than this one it it has to go to the lower lower end of my list well if it gets better then i'm looking forward to that too uh-huh so looking forward we have next the third episode of the series to have and give not which actually that's also a title of uh, a Jungle Jam episode, too, if I'm not mistaken. Huh, interesting. I think the Jungle Jam episode would come out first. I'm not positive about that. The writer, again, was David Carl. The director was David Carl. Again, music by John Campbell. And sound design by Eric Basil. And this, I believe, is the first song that we hear that's co-written um, 
song Share With Others was written by Sandy Howe and Billy Martin. Okay. And Sandy Howe, I think near the beginning, uh, some of the songs that she wrote were by herself, but most of the songs later on are co-written with other people. And this is the first episode that does not have the song or parts of like a song throughout it like around the commercial breaks or whatever did you was uh after hearing the first two episodes were you expecting that trend to continue with this episode well it kind of did we had a song uh in full or a rap rather in the uh the in like the 10 minute mark or what seven minute mark i forget where it is in this episode and then the actual song at the end and that was fine i guess like getting a full dose of music in the middle and then full dose at the end i like the difference and did you notice, I think the first notes of after the theme song or whatever was that song? Uh, no, I... Like, da 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 Maybe I did. Like that. Maybe I did. I only heard this episode twice, and I wasn't paying full attention to the that music per se. So, yeah, I guess if I had... Maybe I'm hearing it now just because you sang it just now. But, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. So, um... It doesn't happen a whole lot. John Campbell does do quite a bit of the early episodes. And I've noticed, I haven't thought about it a whole lot. I'm sure I'll be listening for it more when I review them. But he weaves in the, the song for the episode into some of the intro or the outro or throughout the show. And it's not super, not always super uh, evident. But later episodes, it's usually more the theme of Paws and Tales running through the episode itself. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really interesting. Right, yeah, how he changes up his style here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the episodes that he doesn't uh, write music for, it's more of the, the Paws and Tales... ...is weaved in more, where with, I think, John Campbell's episodes, at least some of the early ones, he weaves... I think he weaves in the, the you know, the different song from each episode for each episode into the story itself okay okay yeah that's that's cool i i noticed that about more of john campbell's music i guess these days in newer odyssey he tends to do that a lot rather than weaving in the odyssey theme which he'll do a lot sometimes he does make a theme for the episode i know jared de Pasquale does that a ton which is why i love his score for revelations because of the different themes that he brings into it i've been listening to a lot of john williams too and john williams does that a lot so um, it's interesting to, to find when composers do the show theme or do a character theme or a special theme. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know uh, if they gave the composers for Paws and Tales, like, uh, like with the song, I know they do, I think they do the music, like the orchestration or whatever for the song. And then like, think Sandy Howe and whoever else writes the, like the lyrics and like the tune. So I'm wondering how much they ask them, like, hey, can you weave in the song to here? Or they just let them, you know, just choose whatever to do mm-hmm. well that was a lo- uh long explanation there we haven't really got to the story yet we're fine we're fine that was that, that was fun um <laughs> we are the first scene we have um the club cj and stacy uh and goose and two new characters um to you and the listener um ned and Marsha, and they are counting up their money um, yeah, they're not buying a watch chain. Uh, they're wa- they're <laughs> buying a telescope. One dollar eighty seven cents. Uh huh. <laughs> Can I just say I love this dynamic? It's a great start. The uh, the writing is still really good. It reminds me of the Berenstain Bears, kind of uh, having a clubhouse and the different animals all gathered in it, thinking, "Oh, what are we gonna do next? What's the next big thing we're gonna do?" And um, I really liked it as a start for an mm-hmm. episode. 
And we are also introduced um, to another major recurring character in the show. We have Miss Harbor, who is a white-tailed deer. She teaches in, a one, I think, a one-room schoolhouse, basically, uh, grades th- three through six. Um, the school's called James T. Collins Elementary, I believe, or Elementary School. And they talk about her being really shy with adults, but really like energetic with kids and unconventional in her teaching. Interesting. Um, what do you what do you think? What did you think of Miss Harbor? Uh, she was great, really, really great. I thought she was an, an awesome character. Only thing holding her back is that I cannot imagine a deer standing on two legs, but that's how she has to stand if she's going to fit inside a suit of armor. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I will say this. Um, I could save it for other episodes, but I will say probably my favorite fictional teacher in an audio drama is miss harbor yeah the way they have her character in in the series her i think they actually actress does change later but it's pretty similar so sometimes i'm not quite certain uh which actress it is but the writing for her and um her teaching methods and all that i i just love her i would love to have her as a teacher i will say uh two contrasting things one thing i liked and one thing i was confused on Maybe maybe the thing I was confused on is fine, but one thing I liked was that uh, when CJ and uh, CJ and Stacy right who are walking in and they're they're wet from the puddle, and uh-huh. Miss Harper says, "Why did I expect this?" I thought that was a great line. Really like that. <laughs> and then yeah. The the other thing I was a little confused on is she's teaching them about um the scourge of me, which is a recurring theme of greed throughout the episode, and I'm wondering. What subject does this tie into? Is this a devotional that she's saying? Because it seems like she—it's a subject. Because doesn't she want like doesn't she have homework questions on it for them to do or or, or something like that? So what is this for? What subject is this for? I don't know. I don't think it's like the main source of their teaching. Um, in later episodes, she does teach. I mean, it's very you know, there's no separation of church and state in <laughs> Wildwood and their school system. <laughs> um, she takes the opportunity depending on the situation some of the some of the assignments that she has will teach them a lesson not just you know help them educate them and sometimes she'll pick up on something that the kids are talking about or doing and teach that in class to get across to them so she she's she teaches not just you know science and math and all that stuff but she teaches really good uh lessons and spiritual lessons so i think she basically she weaves it in it's not always the main thing. It's like one of the things that she teaches, but she doesn't always make it like a major thing or she like, you know, kind of makes, makes the kids discover themselves what they're supposed to be learning. Well, at least she's a better rapper than Mr. Whitaker or Har- Harley for that matter. <laughs> well, I, I like this. I like the song in this, uh, at the, in the middle, which it actually is fairly different from the song at the end, uh-huh. um, to a certain extent. Um, but it's kind of funny hearing all the, like, the kids, like, oh, here she goes again. I love, love it when she does this. <laughs> yeah, so, um, again, I'm, uh, attending classes at Liberty University here, and we have, uh, sort of a, a week off. It's a, kind of a weird week. It's the last week of class. And so, this was right after my second class of the day. I went to, uh, a study area where I was gonna then listen to the episodes. And I sat down and put on episode one. I thought, oh, okay, this was good. And then episode two, which was this one, I thought, Man, this song is really good. So I'm sitting there in a chair, like tapping my toe on the floor, like, man, this is this needs to be remixed. And so I, I run back to my dorm and I sit down and I'm going to this is later at night and I'm going to um, record with Austin soon. And I'm like, OK, I got an hour. I know what I'm going to do. And so I just record a remix for the song. <laughs> That's me doing acapella, all the like uh, vocals, beatboxing, bass line to 
accompaniment tracks and a whistle. And it, it, it's, I have so many voices because I'm not great at this. I come up with it on the spot. Uh, I know there are a lot of people on YouTube who do it. Like they write their arrangements and then they do it because they're, they're marvelous at it. But I, uh, I have low budget, low time, not, I mean, pretty good quality. So that's, that's what you'll be hearing then. As, as little Chinese spin on it, it's pretty awesome. And for those <laughs> listening, make sure to listen after we sign off because you'll get to hear that uh, little special treat. Don't you dare miss it. <laughs> yep. In this episode, we're also introduced to the Shady Days Rest Home, um, which is a basically retirement community um, for older animals. Who all find it funny that we... Or... Wees? Goose. We... Oh, she says... <laughs> sorry. She has a line where she's talking to... Uh, what's her name? Uh, I'm sorry. The teacher. What's, what's the teacher's name? Mrs. Harbor. Miss, Mi- uh, Miss, Miss Harbor. Harbor. Miss Harbor. She has a line where she says, So uh, what if a wheeze, a, a, a girl... I, I mean, I mean a, a kid and stuff. So uh, when she's trying to talk about the scourge of me... I'm sorry. I don't mean to get too off track here. But um, she also has... Where uh, in the plot where she's mistaken buttons faulty buttons for pirate coins and somebody brings it up when they're in the uh the retirement home and it you can hear the crowd laughing i think what are you doing why are you laughing at this poor girl well it is, I mean, it is a little bit humorous but oh, i guess we can talk about that a little bit later because I, actually when you're talking about that i i think i know it now because was it before or after the song that she talked about the shady uh shady uh days rest home needed work on it because I think she's talking about, you know, about giving and all that, and she was leading was she leading into that, or was it before I think it was was it before the song or after the song? I can't I remember. Don't, talking about the Shady Days. I think it was after, but I'm probably wrong about that. I, I think it's after too. So I mean that was kinda of like a lead up to that. Okay. A really really big really big intro to that. Yeah. And also in class two, you know, Goose kinda of goes on this uh chant like Papa Chuck, Papa Chuck, everybody <laughs> Papa Chuck. Okay, okay, so I'm wondering, is um is Goose like Goose isn't supposed to be indicative of someone with a um like autism or Asperger's or anything, right? No, I don't think so. Okay, because her reaction was such that made me think it doesn't seem like she's fully aware of her surroundings when um Miss Harbor says, "All right, Goose, calm down." And then Goose says, "Oh, all right, all right, everyone, attention, back on Miss Harbor." I'm thinking, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it was it was really good. It was really good. Yeah, I th- I think again, I think the writing for Goose and also the acting for Goose is a little bit different here. I think it's it gets more refined later on. Okay, okay. And after school, after the big musical number, um, the kids are heading uh to their house or the club or whatever or the clubhouse, and um, they're fighting and they lose uh part of their money in the river. Which I I first thought they lost all of it. Um, but then later on that they lost like part of it and they were down from like three, three dollars and 12 cents to two dollars and 47 cents. Okay. Interesting on the, the theme here. So I am going to disagree a little bit with the moral of the episode on Stacy's part. And it's, it's interesting because it's kind of, it's really streamlined the way it's put in the episode. It's very simple. And if I disagree with it, that means I kind of disagree with the thesis, but I don't know how else to say this. Um, Stacy seems to be being reasonable here, where she's saying, I'm the treasurer, you guys selected me to choose what to do with their money, and I don't think it's a wise idea to spend the money this way. That will be developed later on in the plot, and we can either talk about it now or talk about it then, but then to then have her fight over the money seems, well, okay, maybe, maybe she is being selfish in fighting over the money, but then to have the money be lost seems like 
bad karma in a way where okay you were fighting now therefore you'll lose the money i don't i don't know how to read that exactly i think it's more i don't think she's necessarily wrong in keeping the money to do it but when pretty much all of them wanted to give it away that's i think a major like she's like oh this is not a democracy or whatever right she also shouts out you know like i say our money's a secret which i never really noticed that joke before until i listened to it today and Uh that's funny like if it's a secret why are you shouting (laughs) (laughs) that's funny but i think the i think the issue they have with it is not necessarily that she didn't want to do it but that she seemed to be i don't know a too controlling with it and that okay the rest of us i mean this is like if she wanted to i think they could have talked about okay the money that you contrib- uh contributed maybe you could take that back and everybody else can get their money they put towards that mm-hmm. but i don't think she was necessarily in the wrong but her attitude and her actions i think were like she like the idea of it going like oh and then she you know fighting and all that i don't think she went about it the right way way okay again she might have had she might have had a good reason hey we we worked hard to get this money to build this thing for all of us to share but maybe also too she's seen that they're being generous with that they they're wanting to get that money away and maybe she feels like convicted or like hey i should but i don't really want to kind of thing and i just like so that like a knee-jerk reaction maybe well playing into that then i don't hmm does it necessarily follow that she needs to ask forgiveness from god for that like i i guess yeah if she was being if she wasn't being loving to the rest of the club members and that's that's that something. can that can be it and also to the attitude just like okay yeah like uh like it later talks about you know the money's not the issue necessarily it's your heart okay if your heart's in the right place you'll be doing you mean not necessarily give to every every need out there but you'll hold things lightly and if you feel god leading to you to do it or you feel that you should you'll be more apt to to follow that leading huh. i know that i believe that but that's not how i felt the episode was presenting it i felt like the episode was more coming from hey if there's a need you gotta give what you have especially considering part of the lyrics from the rap that says um let's say that this side of the room has all the food you need and then the other side y'all are hungry <laughs> um and to which i thought communism no but uh with with that that seems to be saying if there is a need you must give you need to share with others rather than um if you are called to share with others it's also the the thought of evangelism tying into it um because this is a a bigger can of worms but i don't know that i'm supposed to say hey jesus christ is lord he died for for your sins would you like to accept his gift of grace and repent of your sins to every person that I meet who's not a Christian. I need to operate by the will of God on who do I speak to when. Also with giving of my money, I'll tithe and I'll put away a tenth to give back to the Lord and give to ministry, give back to my church. And then for the rest of it, I need to give as he calls me to, not necessarily to every single cause. And that's what you're saying too here, I believe, Austin. But then I don't feel like that's what the episode presented, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, actually, um, since we're still talking about this here, um, I'm looking at the discussion questions um, and the stuff for the tools for parents for this episode. Uh, one of the questions they have here, and they, they want the parents to, you know, say the questions, not necessarily read the answers verbatim, tailor them to their um, kids. Yeah. But they have, uh, Stacey wanted to spend the club's money over a t- on a telescope. Is it wrong to buy things for yourself when you see people around you in need? 
And they have here, it's not always a bad decision to buy things for ourselves, even when there are people in need around us. But it is important to be willing to use what God has provided for us when he prompts our hearts to do something to help meet the needs of other people. Mm. Many Christians are confused about how we should use money, so all of us need to give a great deal of grace to others on the subject. Mm. Having money is not a sin because money is not bad in and of itself. However, having a great deal of money can be dangerous because sometimes we will begin to love our money, and that is, is a sin. Can and I reference this 1 Timothy 6.10 there. Can I tie this into a couple Odyssey parallels too here? I think you're, I probably know which, which ones you're talking about. Go ahead. All right. Three episodes, <laughs> um, Castles and Cauldrons, 60 something, and the Rydell Revelations. Um, Revelations just because on my mind right now. Okay. But... Two of the, two of them, two of those surprised me. The last one did not. <laughs> okay. What, uh, what else would it be? Uh, with Castles and Cauldrons and, um, 60 something, it was, I think both of those episodes, I agree with the moral. I like the pacing of the episode. But the problem is that they present it in such a weird way that the cultural issue that the writers are trying to address is very, um, I guess, skirted around in the episode. In Castles and Cauldrons, it's, oh, we're not talking about what Dungeons and Dragons does. We're talking about what Castles and Cauldrons does. Well, wouldn't it be more applicable to talk about what Dungeons and Dragons does so that your audience can relate that more? And then with 60 something, it's we're not talking, we're not saying that the 60s were bad. We're saying all this other stuff. And then we're going to imply that the 60s were bad. Well, I don't fully understand that either. And then with Revelations, it's more you need to decide what's good and what's bad based on what your training has been in ethics. We're not going to tell you anymore. That, that and Millstones. Um, and so the difference there is really interesting. So coming back to this, this episode feels more like, I don't know, somewhere in between, like it's saying one thing, but actually saying you decide for yourself in the discussion questions. So I, I think that particular question should have been worked more into the episode itself rather than an appendix. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if they had talked about more of like, she was selfish, but not necessarily selfish for, you know, not wanting to spend the money, but me, you know. Like, I, I think that if they did talk about, like, she, or talk about, or maybe she felt like maybe she should do it, but like, no, no, I want to keep the money, I want to keep the money, then that would make, I think, me a little more sense with the story, maybe. Yeah, and if Papa Chuck had just said, oh, it's okay to buy things you want, even if there are people in need around you, but you need to know this and that, and make a, a good moral out of that. It wouldn't take a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we've discussed this quite a bit, and we'll probably discuss it a little bit more before, um, <laughs> near the end, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh... We have, I found this interesting because this is the first episode you've heard them, but it took, I think almost 13 minutes or so till we found out that the characters that were with Stacy, Goose, and CJ at the beginning are Ned and Marsha. It did confuse me a little bit, but I figured, okay, that sounded like Goose, and then Goose immediately started speaking in a different voice after that, so I thought, okay, Marsha's voice is just way too similar to Goose's. It sounds like Chris Anthony, actually. Is it Chris? <laughs> I got it. Did I did I get it right? Yeah. I got it right. I got it right. <laughs> There's the Odyssey connection, guys. Nice. Nice. I knew it. One of them. One of them? Is there another one in this episode? Well, no, uh, that's the connection. Okay. I mean, for the series overall. Awesome. Yay. Perfect. Okay. I'm happy now. I'm very happy now. <laughs> so you like your voice now more, right? <laughs> well, I mean... I mean, it wasn't that I disliked the voice in the first place. It's just that I, I, I think I was kind of indifferent about it. I thought, okay, that's an that's a, an interesting voice. It sounds cute. It sounds a little bit like Chris, but it, I, it, I'd never heard Chris do that kind of voice before. Props to her. Nice job. 
Yeah. I, I think, I know they have, like, they did the introductions, like, with um the first episode. They had the, where the narrator comes in and talks about the characters a little bit. But I think they spent a little bit too much time with those characters before they introduced them. So I think they should have made, like, had the first conversation at the beginning them talking and then you know oh this is ned and this is marcia maybe maybe just stick it into the dialogue what after one of them says something have cj just say yeah ned that sounds good or something like that so we know their their names or have goose talk to marcia and have them say each other's names might have been a little bit better to differentiate there are really creative things you can do without having the narrator come in and and uh, explain it because yeah. i liked the descriptions of ned and marcia later on in the episode i thought they were good i just thought that maybe it would have been nice for me to know their names at the beginning mm-hmm. and speaking of that we also have the introduction to ned i, I, should, I guess i should say this now um marcia her last name is moffitt okay. and ned's last name is cleaver uh i don't think they mentioned that until few or several episodes later mm-hmm. so can i bring up something interesting about ned yeah go ahead so so he's got a he's got a lisp and his lisp doesn't understand when to lisp and when not to lisp, at least in the first scene. So one line he has is he's talking about it's going to rain. And he says, my dad said it's going to be a whopper. Wait, a whopper. I don't think, would you lisp on a double P in whopper to whopper? I don't think that's the way that works. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. I don't, I think they, that's a good, that's, that's a really good point because <laughs> I know later on Ned's voice, that's that, uh, the lisp thing isn't, it's more the tonal quality in the list part kind of goes away because I think like, you know, like the buck teeth for the beaver, I think that's probably what they're trying to go for there. By the way, there are probably zero people who are going to get this reference, but Ned reminds me of Matthew on the Adventures in Absurdity podcasts. Just, just saying. I haven't heard that podcast yet, so I don't get it either. Yeah, I will shout out to Hannah Kate. Um, hi, if you're listening to this. Anyway, sorry. Go on, Austin. Okay. Anyway, uh, Ned, uh, he's very... Uh, Oh, says says things how they are um you know states the facts um he ned's i don't know i'll say ned, ned is a very interesting character and I, I think they do some great development um with him uh later on keep talking about this development in like the 69 episodes of the show i'm looking forward to it if we can get through all of it uh-huh well here's i tease this a little bit uh in the last episode that Eric Basil, we would hear more or hear more of him later. Okay. And that is because Eric Basil, the sound designer for this, plays Ned. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. He plays Ned through the entire entire series. That's cool. That's fair. I, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. So, uh, Marsha and Ned are played by adults. Okay. Um, I think Goose is too. And I think CJ and Stacy, at least at this, at this point, are played by kids or like, you know, uh, young teens. Yeah. Do you think... With Ned and Marsha's voice, and also with Goose's, and also the rest, do you think they all sound like kids enough, or do you think some of them are a little bit sound too much like adults? Marsha's great. Um, CJ and Stacy are naturally good. Uh, Ned, I couldn't tell. I thought he sounded like a teenager. He was fine. And then Goose is the interesting case of I. I'm just so in love with her character that I don't care. I I think she's perfect the way she is. Speaking of Goose, we have a scene uh partway through the episode where she's playing with her money and so happy. Oh, I'm rich. I'm happy and rich. I'm rich. <laughs> rich because I'm happy. And, and I'm, I'm rich, rich because I have all this money. <laughs> Can I mention something real quick here? Yeah, go ahead. Um, in terms of Goose, and this is a thread throughout the previous episode and this one. Goose is similar in my mind to um, Bridget Perkins on Current Day Odyssey. I love 
Bridget. She's probably my favorite character right now on the show hmm. because of the way that uh, that Marshall Younger is writing her her um meant like her mental state or the thought pattern that she goes through. She thinks basically the same way that I do, except she's a lot more cynical about it. And a lot of her episodes are based around her internal struggles. These two episodes are based on Goose's internal struggles. The people around her don't care. Oh, you had this big bag of money and you didn't tell us about it. They don't care. That's fine. But she is the one who is suffering because of it and because she's misleading her friends to think, oh, yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing bad going on. No, no, there, there is. I'm trying to figure out what to do with this money. And then in episode two, where she is so – where she's thinking, oh, Mrs. – what's her face? The, Mrs. Collins. Collins. Yeah, Mrs. Collins is going to be so mad at me. And they're saying, what What? What do you mean? She, she wants you to be here. And then it's a problem that she needs to work through herself, and then she does, and she's better because of it. I like that development with Goose, and I'm glad that even though she's a humorous character, that she's able to go through this mature thought process. It's really good. Goose is another – probably one of – I don't know. She doesn't usually get – a lot of the big spotlight but she is a deeper character we will find out later on if you can kind of pay attention you can probably get pick up some of the some of the hints of it here um in some cases um but later on we'll see she is a deeper character than just being the comic relief which i think you've already picked you've already picked up on yeah and we have uh when marcia and states are talking with papa chuck he's working on the shady days rest home trying to fix the roof um, we have a, a little intro for Marsha. Um, she is um, pretty clumsy. She's kind of go through a growth spurt and, <laughs> you know, knocking things over quite a I bit. I had, so I missed that she was a moose. So I was trying to figure out, wait, what animal is she? She's got long legs. What is that a, a heron? What is this? <laughs> so I, I guess I probably should have uh, asked this earlier for Ned's voice and Marsha's voice. Do you think it fits their, the animal they're supposed to be? I honestly have no idea. Because I'm not picturing them as animals. But Marsha, I think, if if I had to compare the two, Marsha was probably better than Ned in the way that Chris was uh, putting her voice inflection in kind of the, the wobbly feel to the voice. Or maybe not a wobbly feel, but it made me, it, I was able to imagine she's not so sturdy on her legs mm-hmm. as she's walking. Yeah. And then we have, I wrote this down um, about... Papa Chuck Green's in about being a servant, um, being a servant uh, like with God's money, and he says God doesn't care how much you've got; He just wants you to share whatever you have, which is a nice sentiment there. Yeah, but I think it is being a little bit too yeah. broadly. I thought that too. When you share everything, uh, again, that's you know a little bit of a hyperbole there. I, I know what he's meaning there, um, but like kind of talk about you what you picked up on earlier, like just because we have something doesn't mean you need to give it or share it with everybody. But I think maybe they should have gone with more like, you want to have the attitude of a sharing heart. You want to be a giving person so that when you feel that you should give something to someone or share something with someone that it will be an easy thing to do. Like, okay, God, I'll I'll do this for you. It's not like, oh, do I have to? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a here's a hot take right here. Um, if I can if I can say it about his line where he says God doesn't care about uh how much you have, um. So one of my professors here in technical communication, um, his name is, we call him Dr. Tuzzi. And so, or that's his last name. So the views of Dr. Tuzzi do not reflect those of Odyssey Geek, just saying. Um, but one of his opinions is we engineers should have all the money because we know how best to give it to people. So that's a, a pretty, I don't know how you would how you would classify that statement, but his sentiment is... 
if we have good jobs and if we make a lot of money, then we can be stewards of that money. And so we should strive to earn more be if we can, because the more people we can bless with the money and the more we can be good stewards of the money, the better uh, a witness we can have. I don't know if that's if I fully agree with that, but that's his take. And it's probably also a bit hyperbole, too, yeah. but like it does talk about the more money you have, the more likely that you will it will let you get to your head because if you look about it with stacy what her she was doing with such a small amount and what goose was feeling with you know she thought she had like millions of dollars here and how you know how how obsessed she got with that money yeah I and mean, it's kind of an extreme maybe a little bit but it kind of shows like okay you know the more money you have lord give us wisdom if we get more money to make sure that we still are a giving person that we still tie that we still are nozzle that this could be taken away at any point right um it's a little bit you know a little bit a little of uh my background here um i was a missionary kid for several years oh, great. and oh, that's nice that's nice my family was missionaries in new mexico um uh had a church and a school for the navajo the navajos out there okay and uh we my, my parents they they did not get paid um from like the mission itself it was basically whatever support uh, they got from churches and family sometimes and uh gifts like that and in this episode um or just discussing this with you because now um we're not in a ministry like that like that right now um but we are ministering to it's 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 odd like god will put you in places that he wants you to be and just because you're not in like full-time ministry doesn't mean that you can't minister to people in a different way um this the doors god has opened since we moved to oklahoma has been it's amazing mm-hmm. that people that we've been able to uh talk about god and um be a friend to but my dad now has a uh paying job he works full-time i have a job and i had a job out there a little bit for a while too i will be still lived out there and I know there can be a tendency to, when you have a job and it's, you know, it's weekly or, you know, biweekly or whatever that you get money, coming from the time that, you know, what money you got was what ever came in the mail or whatever, you know, someone sent, it might have been anonymous, it might have been, you know, some of the name on it. My hope and my prayer is, Lord, no matter how much money my family makes, no matter, no matter how, much my, how much money I make, don't let me forget that you, in whatever situation, you are the one that gives us the money. You're the one that provides for us. And I saw time after time where we needed something and God provided for it just in time. Or I mean, not quite in the time that we wanted it to be, but he provided for us. We never went with, we never went completely hungry yeah, or really hung, hungry much at all. And now, you know, we have a little more stability, but, you know, like what this year has shown people, you know, just because you have a steady job doesn't necessarily mean that you'll keep it. Um, because things can happen, and I don't know, maybe I'm just getting a more or less episode than I thought, but oh yeah, yeah, you know, the more money you get, you got to be careful because that that's that's temporary too. And this too, that they could they could have talked about this in the episode too, but like you know, money is temporary, but things that we do for God, those are those are those are the ones the things that are going to last. Right? Yeah. Um, my uh, I'm not a missionary kid. Um, 
and I don't have the same life experience as you do, but if you'll, if I can talk for a little bit, if you're okay, if you're okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, my dad had a very, very high paying job, uh, for several years and we never lived like we were rich because we're not rich. We, we, we live stably and I was never in want of anything in terms of, uh, needs that I needed. Like it, it was never, a it was never a problem where, oh, we don't have enough money to pay the rent or to, to pay for the house or to pay for food. No, we, uh, we were always fine. And my parents lived according to we need to do a lot for the people in our church. We need to give to those who uh, are less fortunate than we are. We need to use our position um, economically. And I, I guess um, my dad's skills as an electrician and sort of an engineer to be able to bless others. And it wasn't that we felt like I don't it wasn't that we felt like we needed to make ourselves poor, but we we I don't know, we lived within our means. And we did that for several years and then in twenty fifteen twenty sixteen, the beginning of the year my dad was laid off from his job. And we'd known he was going to be laid off for a while, and we thought, well, we're gonna have to make some big changes. And over the next two years my dad was unemployed and he got a job in spring of or the uh, early January of twenty eighteen. And Throughout that time, because we were still relying on God for income and for uh, job, I guess, employment uh, in the future, and because we were still serving in our church, and because God's promises are true that he will take care of us, I mean, he could have allowed us to go into poverty or into a lower income than we than we would like and suffer, I, I maybe not suffer, but to experience uh, a little bit of hardship, but it was so fascinating that nothing really changed during those two years except one thing, one big thing. You know, at the end of 2017, you know what that was, right, Austin? Not certain. The cruise. Oh, yeah. My mom and I went on the cruise. My dad didn't go, again, because of, I guess, because of work, and or not because of work, because he was unemployed, but because, uh, because of the funds. We still got to do that. And that was incredible. That was while my father was unemployed. And the fact that we were still able to, my, my dad had all the time when he was unemployed to do work with, or like odd jobs for different people in our community, for people in our church, and to help others and to be a ministry um, out of his own home and out of our home in a way. And because we were we were so attuned to what God wanted us to do with this two years and we were reliant on him, like, okay, we know you're not going to let us go hungry. You're going to keep us in protection. Um, and because we didn't live like we were super rich, um, I feel like that was a big factor of what got us through those two years. So that's that's sort of if you live in moderation, that's what I think Tales of Moderation should have hit on. It's not that uh, Odyssey episode. I think it's uh, I think there are problems with it. If you live within your bounds and if you understand that God is the supplier of your money, you can live. Um, at a sort of i don't know you can treat yourself to good things just know that those good things are fleeting and know that you can still help others while you were i guess living within your income and that's sort of the the moral here that's not fully presented by papa chuck where he says god doesn't care about how about about how much money you have well i think god would care he cares how much money you have because he doesn't want you to see led astray by that money he wants to make sure you're using that money to his glory and he wants to call you to give that money back to him. That's what God cares about. 
Well, th- thanks for sharing that. Sure. Uh, this is this has gone a lot a lot deeper than I thought, but this this is great. Yeah. And this, that's what these episodes are supposed to do. They're supposed to really spark discussion. Yeah, I like that. Uh, also, quick plug for myself. I'm sorry, but I gotta do this. That's what Ryan and I have been trying to do with the ties that bind. Um, we've had discussions of the plot, but I found it's a lot more fun when we just sit and talk about God's design for marriage and family and stuff like that. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the story, um, I know there's a quick, I don't know if there's a, a, a goof or just goose being goose, but I think she calls the shady day, she calls it the shady gritty rest home. What? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it's when she comes in, when she's saying that she's going to donate all that stuff, uh, she calls it the shady grady rest home. Shady grady? Yeah. What? It's odd. What? You should go back and listen to it. Okay, maybe I will. There's also <laughs> something um, that really irritates me. I'm a big speech and debate person and a podcaster and stuff like that. And um, word emphasis is really big. So it really irritated me that whenever uh, Ms. Harbor brought up the scourge of me, Goose would call it the scourge of me. I have the scourge of me and kind of drop the of me. Like, it's not the scourge. It's the scourge of me. That's what makes it special. So nitpick, nitpick of nitpicks. Phil Lala would say it's one line. <laughs> it's one sentence. Well, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I was wondering, I did not really think much about this until I was listening to it today to, you know, get notes for this. Did Goose listen to what Papa Chuck was talking about, and that's why she came, like, out of the storm drain or whatever? Or was she already feeling bad already, and she came up in around that same time? Yeah, she was... I don't think it made it clear. So, I don't know. Um, That scene, I think we kind of skimmed over it, but I, I love her interaction where she's... Um, where they're walking over the bridge, and then she's there. She's like, "Ah, what are you doing here? I'm on the bridge. You were supposed to be at the fort, therefore not here." <laughs> so, it's it's really it's really good. And then right after that, I gotta bring this up. She's, she's still flailing. She says, I, "I, I'm this is a bag of trash. I'm trying to take it to the the trash place, the dump. Yeah, the the dump. I think I'll go do that. I take it to the the trash place. I, I mean the dump." And then she leaves, and she's going, "Ah, yeah," as she's carrying it like, "Yeah, she's." <laughs> Yeah, she's sm- she's a small she's a small animal. She's like carrying this big bag of money. It's so cute. I love it so much. But I was wondering right after that, I think that's where she was starting to feel bad about it. And then was there a scene after that where she was rolling in the money and like uh, Yeah, like, that I think we talked about that already, but I don't think she uh regretted like at that point she didn't seem like she was sad at all. I don't know. I thought I interpreted that the, as the way the episode was pacing was she was looking at herself and thinking do I really want to be this? Does this, is this really what I want to do? And then it got to her and she thought, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm turning around. Okay. And, uh, one of the funniest lines. And again, it comes from Ned, you know, the facts guy. Uh, it's like, Oh, it must be millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, okay, that, that was a line put in there for the adults in the room. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, Ned, he gets the jokes, for like uh the older audience he gets a lot of those jokes i will say that that's funny and uh oh it's kind of funny they're sort of saying for Ju- for goose is a jolly good weasel oh like for a jolly good fellow uh, don't cut then... your chickens before there are eggs <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then uh we found out that the coins are actually defective brass buttons you know it this is funny because when she found them i thought yeah, those are just washers, Goose. Are you sure you know what they are? And then it turns out, nope, they're buttons instead of washers. Oh, but turns out they work as washers, too. Oh, so I, I was right in the first place. <laughs> See, right? Yeah, <laughs> good job. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then Stacy loses the rest of the money uh, down the storm drain. Oh, yeah. The sound design right there. Yeah. And then 
I, I I'm wondering if this was a little bit like it to a certain extent. Um, about how Goose gave all she had, even though she thought she it was something and something really significant, but it wasn't. I was I was I don't know if it, I don't think it was really brought out, but I was thinking that'd be like the widow's yeah, might. Exactly. Like when, uh, she gave one little coin, but Jesus said that was more than everybody else had because she gave all she had, or more than everybody else gave. Yeah, and I I liked. I like that moral of it's it comes from the heart. It is a heart issue about giving, which also I guess kind of answers my question about what the the episode's beef is with Stacy. That it's a heart issue, and that she legitimately was not um, okay in her heart with giving up the money, and that was something that she needed to change. And I was wondering too, like w- there was like a kid or I guess some boy like making fun of fun of Goose, like oh I bet I could buy a new house or something like that. I'm wondering, it's almost like Chris Anthony there. It doesn't say who it was, but since I think they used like the same actors or actresses there, I'm I'm thinking that might be Chris there, but I'm not positive. I don't know, but so that's what I was talking about at the beginning, where you said the the um old age or was it the retirement home? Yeah, was um was introduced where I said yeah, and they evidently have no respect for Goose because they were just laughing. At okay, her. yeah. Oh, so you thought it was you thought it was the one of the older people there? No, no, no. I was sure it was a kid, but then you hear okay. the people in the background laughing at it. At the joke. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one funny part, you know, like, oh, there are snacks already, you know, and Marshall rushes up, oh, and like, uh, stack cleanup time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> feel so bad for her. Which we hear uh, Steve Bridges doing that voice there, and I think he's also the one that talks to Goose later about, whenever I see the roof, I'll think of, think of uh, what you gave. That's Steve Bridges there, too. Man, I need a pick up my steve bridges identification <laughs> yeah and then also i I, th- I really like this like one line um i can't remember if it was the narrator papa chuck or someone else and they say like god takes what you gave or give and turns it into a blessing for you and others she thought she was giving up a lot she was i mean she thought she was hmm. yeah and she thought it wasn't but god still was able to use it in a great way which i love that i love those kind of twists like that because it's like almost like a double twist, basically. Right. They're not good for anything. They're not going to work. But they work. They did something really good. They did what they were supposed to do, but not in the way it expected. I wonder how many times in our life that that works. Like, there are some, uh, at college, I've had a few experiences where I think, you know, I'd really love to go up to that person and ask, how did your situation turn out? But I know it would be inappropriate to ask that because I only heard about it through a third party praying for that person or, like, talking to that person. It would be uh gossip for me to ask or it wouldn't be appropriate would be my place but i wonder how many situations are there like that where we can intervene in somebody else's life or we can make a difference by being the image of christ and by following what the bible tells us how we should act and how many people can we affect because of that and how many times can god use our actions that we think this is um the toy from odyssey we all go through our lives thinking that most of our and most of what we do is just mundane meaningless tasks but what you may have thought was mundane and meaningless helped somebody else through a difficult time and i thank you for that that's uh, don polhouse's line i think it's beautiful and i think that's that's another parallel to this episode in terms of um Although Goose knew what would happen, like she knew what was going on, it was her business with the washers and stuff. Um, what if she didn't know, and what if those washers or what those buttons ended up being helpful because she donated them anyway? Like she would never know, but somebody else would still benefit. I think those instances are really fascinating. And then we also have uh, 
an appearance from Maurice the Gopher from the first episode. Yeah, I like it more Steve here. Bridges. He's talking about the skylight. <laughs> I like, know. So I was installing a skylight in our and uh, uh, Papa Chuck is like, you you agreed to make a sky or to get a skylight. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very painful subject. Like, why? I think that'd be nice <laughs> to have a skylight. <laughs> yeah, someone just easily step on or be covered <laughs> over. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. And this is the point here too. Where Stacy could have said, oh, that's mine. So it was her heart changed before she gave. And I think this comes to the point, too, you know, there's lots of people that give money and, you know, they might do it for show. They might do it for, you know, like a name recognition or whatever. And some people do it because they want to, not because they want recognition or whatever. And she could have it's like, oh, that's my money. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll donate it. And then like, you know, CJ kind of recognizes it, and it's yeah. like, that's very generous of you, Mister Maurice. <laughs> her because her because her heart had changed on that subject, she was able to give, and it gives so easily with it. And I, I love that ending. Well, it, yeah, it's it's more of a, a trope in storytelling to have that where uh, the main character is about to interrupt and say, well, actually, and then uh, you it pans away to the other characters who are. Uh, looking at the main character like uh stunned like no how dare you say that and the main character goes through should i really say this and then actually i think that's a good idea and then doesn't say what the main character was actually going to say and it's because i recognize the trope i think it was a it's a little bit more pressure on stacy to not say anything and embarrass maurice um or not say anything and make the situation more tense but because she's already had a subtle change of heart in terms of her her greediness, her attitude, it's easy for her to make the jump into, okay, I'm not going to mention anything. Whereas if she was asked point blank, is this your money? She might still say, well, well, yeah, I lost it. That's what happened, but I'm still fine to donate it. Whereas in that moment, it's not a problem for her. She doesn't say anything about it. Yeah. She does it not because she wants recognition. Right. I mean, she was the one who lost the money in the first place. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, I was looking at this here, the director's notes for this episode um, on the Tulsa Parents uh, discussion guide thing. Um, David Carl, uh, he writes, um, I'm not suggesting that Stacy had to be willing to give up her money or she would have sinned. Christians do not have to give every to every need that we see. We do need to give to, the, to God what he asks of us. This certainly includes tithing and it may include more, perhaps much more, but that is between each of us and the Lord. God is not after our money unless it is doing us harm. If it is doing us harm, he will absolutely want to rescue us from it. I wish the episode had portrayed that better because that's not, again, that's not the feel I got. Okay, that, that's fair. Yeah. And then we come to the song, which is a little bit different version from what we heard earlier. And then we have more of the kids, some of the kids singing along with it. And I love this song. This is, of these first three episodes, it's my favorite song. It's, I don't know if it's my favorite song. It's probably one of my top 10, 15 songs maybe from the series. It's probably near the lower end of the list. But oh, okay. It's very it's very catchy and it's a very fun song to listen to. I don't remember entirely what it was, but I remember that the songs uh in these three episodes oh, were all really good, personally, I thought. Yeah. And also too I know some episodes uh they have a songs where there's they have a song and then they like bring in an older song into it as part of it, like a tag or something. Oh, that would be so they have cool. Having this one, um do unto others as you as you've had them do unto you. Is that from a song? Or no, because I know there's because all we've had is the the um, hammer hammer knock 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 in episode one, and then the previous. I'm sorry, like a, a song outside of Paws and Tales. I oh, mean, because like sometimes some of the songs they bring like a hymn or something like that or another spiritual song. I th- into think that 
Because they have the kids sing like around like do unto others as we have them do unto you. Yeah, I don't. I I, I think I remember that. I thought there was another reference to a, a some song somewhere, but I don't think it was that. It might be. I I know that verse has been given songs. So I'm sure there's a plethora of different um versions of like songs using that verse. But I'm not sure if it was written specifically for this or was used for another song, but it works. And then after at, they do that, says uh, CJ says. And here's Goose on kazoo. Yeah. And then she does a little solo there. Mm-hmm. That's really cute. Especially because I've been watching kazoo music on YouTube today. And so it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then we, and then it's cool that they have this kind of like a round. Or not, I guess it's not quite a round. But, like, you know, like Miss Harbor is singing. And then they have the kids singing, do unto others. While she's singing, like, share with others. It's, I love the overlap there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I didn't, I didn't notice that tie-in, but I guess I just thought most of the songs were kind of like extensions of each other, or the rap and the song yeah. kind of tied in. That was cool. Yeah. So overall thoughts: thumbs up, thumbs down, um, thumb on the side. Yum. Uh, I did I just say yum? I did. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think I would. I'll give it a thumbs up. Um, a little. It's not as good as the second episode, in my opinion. Definitely better than the first. I think but um not not amazing um second was second was amazing i don't know what your your gripe is with it austin i liked it but this third one i i think the the moral was a bit um i don't know again pacing well maybe it was the pacing no it was the pacing for the previous episode it was the explanation of the moral in this one that i i had a little bit of a problem with but Otherwise, I like the acting. I like the writing as good as you, uh, per usual. The rap is also decent. And um, yeah, it's okay. It's not too bad. Yeah, I, I really, I actually really enjoy this episode. And actually, I did, some of those things you talk about, like the moral and stuff, because some of it's a little more general, I guess a little more of a generalization, or a little bit more hyperbole maybe, yeah. than they than probably should have been used. Um so I mean, for us, we can tell that, but maybe for kids, um, again, it probably probably best if you know parents, you know, talk talk with them, like with these discussion questions that are in the uh, notes or whatever they give, which is 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 good to have. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about this probably uh, later, but um, you know, and I, th- I think Phil or Phil will talk about this too. Like, you know, Odyssey is not a babysitter. I mean, some of these episodes, you know, you just may just listen, you know, play something for the kids to listen to or whatever. But it's good if, especially when these are trying to bring different truths home to discuss them and talk about it, and make them think. It's not just you don't want to just you know something in and something comes out. You want to make sure you what you're getting and then how it comes. How, I don't know. Basically, you know, don't just let it just sit there and but make sure you like mull over it and think about it. And I can totally see where Phil Lawler is coming from when he says Odyssey is not supposed to be a babysitter. But part of the thing is that Odyssey has not really been a babysitter per se but one thing i brought out in the um when i finished when i did the kind of bookend for the was maury Wright segments and i finished it with kind of i was sitting in my room and i heard the official podcast of the avery awards and i thought okay jesse just said something that doesn't make any sense so i talked about that and i said if odyssey is going to be is going to cease to give good moral advice and instead say we're gonna give you advice and you need to determine whether it's good or not then i'm not going to rely on odyssey anymore for that because that's what odyssey has been odyssey hasn't been a babysitter but odyssey has been a a mentor in a way and a guide and yeah i think odyssey can still be that and still inspire critical thinking 
because Odyssey can ask further questions. Well, what if this character had not done this? Or what if this action had been taken? Or what if, why did Mr. Whitaker make the choice that he made? And in this episode also, because I disagree with part of the moral, it's a good discussion starter in that way. So I think with anything, you can take it blindly and accept it, or you can push back against it, or there can be inherent within the production itself, something that'll make you pause and think, now I have to think about that. Um, And that is a skill. That last one is something I think that both Odyssey and, well, I'm sure it'll come up later in this one somewhere, but something Odyssey probably should do a lot more. And it's something that I do appreciate Phil Lawley's working into the show now. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun to do. And uh, I think the show at this point, um, it's starting to hit its stride a little bit. I think near the end of season one is where they really start to really, really hit their stride in storytelling and all that. So hopefully we can do this again sometime. Thanks for thanks for joining me, Lee, Michael, whoever you are. Um, it's been fun as always. Sure thing. Well, I'll figure that out. Existential crisis here. Thanks again for listening to this, guys. Let us know what you thought. Let us know if you've heard these episodes. And hopefully we'll be back with more of this kind of thing in the future. You gotta share with others. Did you hear what I said? You gotta share with others. There's a plague in this land that'll spread from the sea to our mountain's majesty. Do you know what it's called? It's called the scourge of me. It can make you sick. It can make you poor. It'll make you lonely. You might have it now, the scourge of me, but there's a cure. You gotta share with others. Let's say that this side of the room has all the food you need. And this other side, y'all are hungry. What you gonna do? You gotta share with others. Yes, you are. You gotta share with others. You've got more clothes, you've got more food than you could ever need. And for those who don't, I stand up here to plead. You gotta share with others. Let me hear it again. You gotta share with others. But if you're sick with scourge of me, it's a fearful thing. You wanna go it alone. You want it all for yourself. You want to grab it and keep it and hide it and share it with nobody that you know. You want to get them and have them and hold them and love them and stack them so your house can grow. But while you sit there with your hands full of your treasury that you just won't share, what you'll have is misery. You'll find you've turned all of your friends into your enemies. And the cause will be, you've got the scourge of me. They've got the scourge of me.